story seven of gulliver the great and other dog stories by walter a dyer this librivox recording is in the public domain story seven the strike at tiverton manor normally when left to his own devices the dog tends to revert to savagery and to become a selfish treacherous skulking revengeful murderous brute under fair conditions he is as every one knows the noblest of all god's dumb creatures often shaming man himself by his devotion and courage it is human companionship that makes the difference it is intimate human companionship with the touch of kindness and the human voice that calls forth the cardinal canine virtues it was the poacher's personal friendship that developed the quick wits of the terrier the fidelity of the collie grew out of days and nights of solitude shared with the shepherd hounds which hunt in packs and dogs living in large kennels are not so likely to be individually interesting or trustworthy it was constant association with john dayton that made prince otto what he was he had many remarkable attributes as you shall see but what he might have become without professor muller and john dayton can only be surmised it is only a question of motive sometimes which separates the hero from the fiend prince otto's parents were of noble german blood and had been brought to america in nineteen ten when the german shepherd breed first began to gain widespread popularity in this country the prince himself was born late in the same year at muller's kennels in connecticut a fat fuzzy puppy full of life and mischief muller's were not without kennels his advertisement read training school for police dogs german and belgian sheep dogs dogs trained for police military and life-saving service and as watchdogs for private estates and professor muller was no ordinary breeder or schoolmaster either he had gained his experience and perhaps his title in the outskirts of berlin and with two german assistants and one or two american helpers he founded an establishment which with the help of judicious advertising at the bench shows and elsewhere rapidly gained a unique and enviable reputation visitors came from far and near to see muller's star performers climb ladders leap through windows execute high dives into an artificial lake and attack a much padded attendant who impersonated an escaping criminal and besides there were people who knew enough to admire the wonderful agility and intelligence of muller's dogs the professor found a ready sale for his youngsters and prospered muller owed much of his success to hard-won experience for there are things to be learned about dogs which only long association with them can make clear but the professor possessed more than experience he was gifted by nature with that sympathy and understanding which begets confidence and obedience and a ready response in the canine race he loved his dogs and on more than one occasion customers observed moisture in his blue saxon eyes when he parted with the children of his upbringing from the first prince otto had been one of the quickest to learn and the best loved of all muller's puppies the master early recognized in him a lurking strain of fearless wolfish savagery and cunning but this only called forth the greater care in his training for it is such traits that go to the making of the most efficient police dog every day the professor made a special point of spending an hour or two with his puppies playing with them talking to them teaching them the rudiments of obedience 
familiarizing them with human comradeship and with the meaning of human words prince otto was lively he was fractious but the professor was wise and patient and as the puppy grew in stature and in strength he came to rely implicitly on the word of this being who was his master without losing a jot of his splendid spirit one day in april nineteen thirteen when prince otto was in his third year a distinguished personage visited the muller kennels g howard tiverton esq had bought a tract of land and two or three homesteads on the north shore of long island and had converted them into a great estate on a bluff commanding a superb view of the sound and the connecticut shore beyond he had erected a colonial dwelling of red brick with a white pillared facade on the water side and had named it with the millionaire's usual modesty tiverton manor lawns and terraces stretched down to the waterfront where both houses and a private boat landing were hidden behind the willows and four or five acres about the house were transformed by a landscape gardener into a magnificent park with gardens a little lake and great masses of flowering shrubs among the trees all enclosed in a nine-foot iron fence running down to the water on each side and broken by three or four imposing gateways of wrought iron then mr tiverton had moved into the manor-house and had set his gangs of italian workmen the task of converting the rest of the estate into a great wooded park with roadways and waterways and bridle-paths traversing it in every direction public police protection being somewhat inadequate in the immediate vicinity mr tiverton had organized a little band of private watchmen and he now proposed to add to this force one of professor muller's famous dogs in his younger days mr tiverton had been something of an amateur dog fancier had owned in fact a valuable kennel of bird dogs in north carolina and he was not insensible to the points and accomplishments of professor muller's splendid germans it was quite evident to him that they differed materially in character from the affectionate pointers and setters he had known and loved and he was a bit puzzled by their alert aggressiveness but softness was not what he was looking for now and as soon as he laid eyes on prince otto he marked him for his own dot dog said the professor swelling with pride he is the finest of dem all yet i have raised him mit my own hands and i know if i had wished to show him he would have beaten dem all look at those eyes those shoulders mr tiverton prince otto was indeed a superb specimen of his breed he was large and powerful with the springy muscles and tense sinews of a trained athlete his coat was harsh and a bit grizzled and his erect forward-looking ears and sharp nose gave his head a formidable wolfish expression but one could not long avoid a contemplation of his eyes almost human they were in their keen intelligence large clear fearless eyes with none of the mournful pathos of the st bernards and none of the trivial smartness of the fox terriers an exclamation of sincere admiration escaped mr tiverton's lips the admiration of the connoisseur he laid his hand on prince otto's head and the prince with a glance at the professor submitted to the homage with dignity but without the slightest sign of either annoyance or pleasure for that was his way with men whom he did not know and so professor muller sold prince otto to the millionaire for he got his top price and that was his business 
but when the purchase was concluded and mr tiverton had driven off in his car the stolid german took prince otto out of sight behind the kennels and fell upon his neck and whispered things into his ear that made the big dog lick his hand and whimper softly hans bruno one of muller's assistants personally conducted prince otto across the sound on a ferry-boat and thence by motor to tiverton manor the prince was perplexed and unhappy and though not frightened was nervous and uneasy his conductor had his hands full and people on the ferry-boat kept at a respectful distance one good lady was heard to remark that there ought to be a law prohibiting people from bringing such awful brutes into public places but the journey was made without mishap and prince otto was formally introduced at tiverton manor it was fortunate for all concerned that john dayton was a born lover of dogs no high-born collie or cur of low degree ever approached the high iron fence within john's range of vision that he did not smile at and speak to consequently when john was summoned to meet the newcomer he approached prince otto with the broadest of grins ignoring hans bruno completely he addressed prince otto volubly and without reserve so you're the pup are you he bawled pup is it you're a horse we'll hit you to a wagon and make you haul gravel that's what we'll do with you you great big beauty give us your paw john bent down close to otto's terrible jaws and held out his hand hans bruno was a bit anxious as to how the prince would accept such familiarity from a total stranger but the dog merely regarded john watchfully and did nothing prince otto had been taught many things but parlor tricks were not among his accomplishments he did not understand john dayton's outstretched hand but he did understand the look in his eyes and the tone of his voice dogs are remarkably quick to recognize fear or dislike in men and their opposites when john straightened up and laid his hand kindly on the dog's head otto lifted his face and gently returned the pressure which if john had but known it was a tremendous concession the result was that when they turned toward the stables prince otto who had long known hans without greatly loving him followed john hans remained at tiverton manor for a few days instructing john dayton who was the night watchman and was to have charge of prince otto the dog his devotion to john growing daily took to his new duties readily enough for the most part he had only to accompany the watchman on his tours of inspection to come to heel when called and to investigate dark corners and suspicious noises then a week or two later professor muller came with one of his helpers to visit prince otto the dog leaped upon him with joyful recognition and then dashed back to john as though seeking to introduce his two friends it was not necessary german and long islander met in the freemasonry of dog lovers after nightfall the professor's helper donned his mask and thick pads and hid in the orchard as john and otto approached on their rounds the dog became aware of the presence of an outsider he dropped into a crouching gait with his nose lowered and the hair rising in a brush on his neck suddenly he shot forward with a rumbling snarl then a dull thud sounded as the pretended burglar caught on the low limb of an apple tree was dragged to earth there sounded the short sharp bark of alarm and then silence 
when john dayton arrived at the spot prince otto was quietly standing guard over the man's prostrate form merely growling a little in warning whenever he observed a slight movement suddenly the man leaped to his feet and instantly otto had him by the padded arm there was a swift wrench and struggle and down they went again the dog on top presently professor muller came up his face wreathed in smiles see he exploded he will do no doubt he will do he knows his business yes i reckon he does professor laughed john as he led the reluctant and muttering dog away next day when professor muller left he again fell upon otto with terms of endearment which the dog returned in his own way but when the moment of departure came he trotted back to john he was content one other friend prince otto had there was at the house a jolly round-faced polish girl named mary her other name being an unused and unpronounceable superfluity one evening while the prince was enjoying a little freedom before the duties of the night began he cut his foot on a bit of glass and came limping across the lawn stopping now and then to lick the bleeding paw warm-hearted mary saw him and forgetful of the servant's tales of the beast's ferocity she hurried out to him poor dog she crooned what matter with foot prince otto paused and surveyed her impersonally as she approached she fell upon her knees and he suffered her to lift his foot and wipe it with her handkerchief oh poor dog said she looking compassionately into his eyes she took him by the collar and led him to john who washed the cut with peroxide and bandaged the foot with adhesive tape all right now said mary patting him otto touched her hand with his moist nose and they were friends mr tiverton made several attempts to reach the dog's heart but succeeded only in establishing a sort of distant friendliness for the rest the dog learned who rightfully belonged on the place and treated them with aloof indifference prince otto's first real adventure took place in october it was about two o'clock in the morning and john and the dog were completing their third tour of inspection it's a dark night otto said john he was accustomed to make his vigils less lonely by talking to the prince which is what a man should do if he desires to make a comrade of a dog it's a dark night and i shouldn't be surprised if it rained before day otto drew close so that he brushed the watchman's leg as they covered the familiar ground suddenly john felt the dog's form stiffen and heard him sniff the air then otto crept stealthily forward toward the rear of the garage john felt for his revolver clutched his stick and followed there was a rush a cry of fear and when john came up and snapped on his flashlight he found a terrified man sitting on the ground with otto holding him by the elbow the dog had not closed his teeth on the arm he merely held the sleeve but it was enough and the man quite willingly allowed john to lock him up in the morning the culprit was hailed before mr tiverton he proved to be a pole who lived in the village not far away and though he was unable in his broken english to give a satisfactory account of himself he appeared to have done no damage and he was so thoroughly frightened that mr tiverton decided he had been sufficiently warned and punished and allowed him to go free prince otto had won his spurs 
one or two other encounters thoroughly established otto as a trusted member of the private police force of tiverton manor and by the following spring the master of the estate would not have accepted a thousand dollars for him in april several changes were made in the organization at the manor and mr tiverton sent for john dayton john said he i'm making some changes here and i think i can let you go on days now if you like john fidgeted with his cap well thank you sir said he but i think i'd rather stay on nights if you don't mind sir why said mr tiverton in surprise i thought you were anxious to get the daylight job it's pleasanter of course oh, i know sir replied the watchman i did want to go on days and the wife wanted it too it's very kind of you sir but i think i'd rather stay on nights if it's all the same to you sir what's made you change your mind john the watchman stammered a little and grew red under his coat of tan it's the prince sir said he you see a new man mightn't be able to manage him not every one can sir mr tiverton stood thinking for a moment and then a twinkle came into his eyes but i've engaged a man who has had experience with dogs said he the prince isn't like other dogs said john hurriedly it mightn't work sir what you mean said mr tiverton with a smile is that you wouldn't know what to do without otto isn't that it now be honest john the watchman grew still redder and mumbled something confusedly under his breath mr tiverton laid his hand kindly on the man's shoulder what if i should put you both on days he asked you and the prince john dayton looked up with quick gratitude and then looked down again but the dog is most needed at night sir said he well replied mr tiverton there are more where he came from and so the matter was decided mike donahue a strapping young policeman from brooklyn who had had one eye injured in service was engaged as night watchman he had been on the dog squad at flatbush and appeared to be an ideal man for the place then hans bruno appeared with fritz another of professor muller's powerful young german shepherd dogs there was trouble at the outset and it became quite evident that neither otto nor fritz could be let loose so long as the other was on the place the prince growled and snarled and barked and whined tugged at his chain and begged john dayton to let him get at this intruder no one else dared to go near him he was fairly beside himself with rage the newcomer was hardly less anxious to have it out but the two dogs were too valuable to risk in an encounter and mr tiverton was appealed to the result was that hans bruno was sent back to connecticut with the unsatisfied fritz and prince otto was left in undisputed possession of tiverton manor the following week hans reappeared with gretchen a female somewhat smaller than otto or fritz but swift and sagacious and she was introduced to donahue who at once proceeded to make friends with her john dayton was anxious but both hans and donahue assured him that no dog of breeding would attack a female of his species unprovoked and such proved to be the case john led otto to the stables where gretchen was temporarily housed both dogs bristled a little and appeared to be on their guard but there was no snarling no rush to the attack otto was allowed to walk slowly up to the newcomer he sniffed at her doubtfully then with interest gretchen drawing back a bit nervously then prince otto turned away dissatisfied but peaceable and donahue and gretchen were installed as joint guardians of the night 
one more incident remains to be recorded before the tragedy which upset the summer peace of tiverton manor mary the polish girl while returning to the manor through the woods one day was accosted by tony rampetto one of the italian labourers about the place tony had forced his attention upon mary before but she had hitherto been able to repulse him good-naturedly now he had her at a disadvantage the spot where he met her was secluded no one was about the italian with flashing eyes barred the girl's path and demanded that she hear him i love you he cried you shall marry me you shall not get away this time i have you mary drew back genuinely frightened the accustomed smile fading from her lips and the colour from her cheeks tony approached her menacingly suddenly she startled as if to run but tony grasped her wrist he drew her toward him roughly and got his arm around her waist she struggled valiantly for she was young and strong but she was no match for the passionate italian he drew her tighter until his dark eyes and gleaming teeth were close to her face mary drew back her head with an effort and screamed tony clapped a dirty hand over her mouth but it was too late a crashing sound was heard as of some one dashing through the woods tony looked quickly over his shoulder and then dropped mary to the ground just in time to throw up his arm and guard his throat against the sharp fangs and mighty jaws of prince otto the dog knew whose cry had pierced the air he remembered his friend he lost no time in indecision but hurled his huge bulk straight at the italian snarling angrily across mary's prostrate form tony fell with a crash but he rose to his knees in an instant otto his teeth missing their mark was carried several paces beyond by his own impetus and before he could turn tony had drawn a long wicked-looking knife but otto had little knowledge of knives and no fear of them again he rushed and so quickly that tony had no time to strike he was crushed back with one arm raised to guard his face and throat and the other flung out beside him his hand still clutching the knife mary her courage restored by the unexpected appearance of an ally had struggled to her feet and now catching sight of the gleaming blade grounded into the soft earth with her heel otto had he not been trained to restrain in the use of his teeth might have killed the italian now as it was tony was fighting desperately for his life his eyes wild with terror and his breath coming in painful gasps john dayton wondering why otto had not answered to his whistle and hearing the sounds of conflict came hurrying up seizing otto by the collar he commanded the dog to draw back and the noble animal obeyed tony leaping to his feet did not wait for further developments but took to his heels through the woods and did not attempt to return next day to his work i shouldn't have let him get away commented john but i think he will trouble you no more he loosed his hold on otto's collar and the dog though evidently eager to give chase restrained himself john took the now hysterical mary by the arm and helped her back to the house while otto walking by her side lifted his head and gazed with troubled eyes into her face whether tony rampetto was at the bottom of the trouble which broke out in july is not known there was no good cause for it mr tiverton paid his men regularly and though he demanded hard steady work from them he was not an unreasonable taskmaster some disturbing influence got to work among them and on july fourteenth they went on a strike 
it was not an ordinary strike for the men had no union organization or any control of affairs they were bound to lose in the end and perhaps it was their early realization of this fact that made them particularly violent and vindictive there were about forty all told who left their work and placed tiverton manor in a state of siege not only the italian laborers but several of the stablemen and others joined in the strike donahue would not listen to them for he was a recent comer and most of his experience had been in opposition to mobs john dayton was cajoled and threatened by turns and something in his nature inclined him to sympathize with the men but his wife said to him very coolly and crisply don't be a fool john and he thought the matter over he thought of mr tiverton's just and generally kind treatment of him he thought of prince otto and he cast his lot with the master at first mr tiverton was disposed to make light of the matter and took steps to fill the vacant places promptly but the men who came to take the jobs of the strikers were roughly handled and driven off grocers and butchers were not allowed to come to the house and no one was permitted to leave the second night of the affair the boat landing was wrecked and the motor-boat put out of commission then when mr tiverton thoroughly angry undertook to telephone to the county seat for assistance he found that his wires had been cut so he locked the great gates of the estate and armed such of his men as had remained loyal and grimly waited on the eighteenth a boat appeared off shore and hailed the manor mr tiverton was summoned what's the trouble asked the man in the boat briefly mr tiverton explained one of the strikers appeared at the waterfront just outside the fence with a shotgun and the boat made off but the news of the situation was bound to get abroad and the strikers knew it already the intercepted tradesmen had reported the unusual state of affairs the sheriff would soon be notified and relief brought up and the men became doubly savage as they came to realize the utter folly of their action on the morning of the nineteenth a mob of some thirty cursing gesticulating men appeared at the main gateway of tiverton manor armed with various weapons they were a silly shouting motley crowd but dangerous for that very reason johnson the colored lad who sometimes acted as chauffeur and who had had charge of the boats was on guard unable to understand the broken english of the italians and frightened by their threatening attitude he retired to give the alarm one of the men who had had some experience in blasting blew out the big lock with a stick of dynamite and when john dayton and prince otto appeared a few minutes later the men were just rushing forward and were throwing wide the great iron gates john drew his revolver and held his ground in the roadway beside him stood the great handsome young dog his majestic head held high his clear eyes gleaming every muscle tense and quivering john knew he was no match for this fiery reckless mob but he felt it his duty to do what he could some of the maids had reported that they had seen from an upper window several automobiles speeding along the road from town some miles away and it was quite likely that help was coming at the sight of this determined man and his formidable comrade the mob cowards at heart paused john fearing more for otto than for himself ordered the dog to heel and otto crouched reluctant and muttering by his side it was plainly john dayton's task to spar for time and he opened parley what do you want he demanded 
a tall fellow with his shirt open at his great hairy breast stepped forward with lowering brows he was armed with a revolver and appeared to be a sort of leader we want that tiverton he said with an oath what for asked john none of your business responded the man you'll know soon enough all you've got to do is to tell us where he is and shut up you can't see him said john can't eh retorted the man with a sneer and the crowd edged closer otto's hair was standing up straight along his back and he was growling ominously first drop that gun commanded the man john though he knew it would hardly serve the cause if he put himself in the way of being shot resolved to stand his ground a little longer he stood still and did not reply the tall man took a step or two forward scowling angrily and the others crowded close beside and behind him drop it ordered the leader raising his own weapon there were sounds of hurrying footsteps up by the house and the resounding bark of gretchen the men were becoming impatient john's eyes were fixed upon his chief antagonist but his ears were strained for the sound of approaching motors there was another forward movement of the mob john's attention was so closely engaged that he did not observe prince otto rise slowly and menacingly beside him john stood in silence and still the tall man forbore to use his weapon but there was a sudden swirl in the mob and tony rampetto broke out in front cursing shrilly in italian his eyes were fixed upon prince otto and his face was distorted with anger and hatred he raised a big pistol he carried and fired point-blank at the prince the action was like setting a spark to a powder train with a yell the striker started forward as though to brush the feeble defence from the path john dayton raised his arm and fired twice over the heads of the mob at the first shot they wavered at the second they halted then there was a second report from the gateway and a bullet sang by john dayton's ear at them otto he cried forgetting his resolve to remain coolly on the defence the dog needed no second bidding instantly his great powerful body shot across the intervening space as if propelled by giant springs his fearsome fangs bared and the snarl of battle in his throat the mob fell back before his fierce onslaught the more cowardly fighting to escape the brawny leader went down at the first rush his cheek torn open by otto's fangs tony rampetto drew his deadly knife but otto seized him by the shoulder and shook him as a terrier shakes a rat again and again the fearless dog charged they dared not fire in the confusion and they were powerless against this unleashed fury tony and the leader rose and ran for the gate and the others followed pell-mell otto leaping madly at their backs and biting their legs john dayton suddenly found himself supported by the rest of the little garrison mr tiverton came up shouting orders mike donahue appeared half-dressed with gretchen tugging wildly at her chain and crying to be loosed they rushed to the gateway and the retreat of the strikers became a rout then came the welcome sound of motors chugging up the hill mr tiverton met the first one containing the sheriff and part of his posse the automobiles went off in hot pursuit of the fugitives and the dust of battle cleared from the gateway of tiverton manor but among the weeds and grass of the roadside john dayton was bending over a silent form tony rampetto's shot had gone home his revenge was complete 
prince otto had fought his last great fight with a bullet in his lung tenderly they lifted him mr tiverton and donahue and john and carried him up to the house they laid him on soft cushions on the white pillared porch and brought water to moisten his poor fevered tongue social distinctions were all forgotten on that porch mrs tiverton and her daughter who had remained in their rooms pale and frightened during the shooting came out to hear the story nora the cook was there and charles the butler and the maids donahue stood apart with a perplexed gretchen and bit his lips johnson the colored boy frankly wept in a wicker chair mary burst forth and flung herself beside the dying dog with wild lamentations and miss tiverton took the girl's head on her silken lap and comforted her mr tiverton was on his knees with his arm about the shaking shoulders of john dayton who hid his face in his hands and said no word slowly the brave dog's eyes opened for the last time and looked about him all were hushed it was like a benediction he lifted his head slightly with a pitiful little effort and then fell weakly back and breathed no more peace broods over tiverton manor the breeze sighs softly in the great maples and horse-chestnuts that shade its stately porch at the foot of the green velvety terraces the waters of the sound lap musically at the gravelly beach at night mike donahue and gretchen make their hourly rounds in silent companionship and on each tour they stop beside the great entrance gate where a little mound is just visible in the shadow of the rhododendrons and a white stone gleams in the moonlight here lies prince otto a german shepherd dog age three years eight months a noble gentleman a brave warrior a faithful comrade greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends End of story seven.